0: Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to this class on Esther as part of the A New Thing series for the Thames Valley and Watford Churches of Christ, beginning of 2024. And today's subtitle would be From Why Me to Why Not Me. From Why Me to Why Not Me. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Esther, I suggest you go back and have a skim through the book. It's not a long one. Or perhaps you might like to watch the Bible Project video that I showed on Sunday as part of the sermon, which gives you a great summary uh, in about nine minutes. So we won't go into all the details of the book today, but I want to pull out a couple of points that were highlighted by Maria, uh, Maria May, as she prepared some of the materials that I've used for this class and other things I've been doing on the book of Esther. So thank you very much for that, Maria. But from Why Me?, to why not me? You may remember that in in chapter four, we find that Mordecai, Esther's cousin, says to her, because she thinks she might be safe in the king's court, even though all the Jews are going to be killed. He says to her, do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to this royal position for such a time as this. That's chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. And she has a bit of a think, as you might imagine. It's dangerous if she approaches the king without the king's permission, she could die, but then again, if she doesn't do that and she does nothing then, because of the decree to kill all the Jews, she will die. So she's caught in a cleft stick, as they say. What is she going to do? So she decides in chapter four, verse 16, she tells Mordecai, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and neither eat nor drink for three days, night, night or day, I and my maids will also fast as you do. After that, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And key words here, so moving. If I perish, I perish. She takes her courage in her hands. As Maria says, let me quote her here about this. The queen of the Medo-Persian empire went from a life of ease to a life of impact. Esther had not been a woman who aspired to, should we say, change the world. On the contrary, she desired security. That's a large part of the reason she's in the king's harem. She desired security. That all changed because she saw a need and realized that she was the person to meet that need. She was needed. God had a plan for her life her purposeless existence now had a meaning of more worth than a thousand outfits of silks and satins, of more worth than all the choice food and luxurious surroundings. She had been given something to do that could change lives forever. And by the grace of God, she would do it. I love that summary, Maria. Thanks very much. Here's the thing somehow she goes from a sense of inadequacy to a feeling of, okay, I can do this. She goes from why me to why not me? And you and I, we experience that, don't we? Feelings of inadequacy in life, and especially even as a Christian, sometimes inadequacy as a Christian, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I don't have enough knowledge, I don't have enough Bible in me, I'm, I don't pray enough, I, 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 all these things that we don't feel we do enough, and we list them until we've got a big old pile of inadequacies, and then we get stuck. Perhaps God provides an opportunity for him to do a new thing in your life and mine and in our local faith communities and we're, we're sort of, um, we are uh, submerged under this massive pile of inadequacies, or perhaps there's such a big pile all around us we can't see properly the opportunities and what God could do. How do we deal with our feelings of inadequacy? Maybe you suffer from what they call imposter syndrome, like, oh, I guess I'm a Christian, but, mm, you know, God can't use me. He can use him or her over there, but me, mm, you know. The truth is many other biblical heroes faced Feelings of inadequacy. And take heart from this, I do. Nehemiah, uh, who is the subject of the next recording, but think about Nehemiah. In chapter one, verse eleven, he was just a cup bearer. I mean, it's not like it was a completely insignificant position, but it's not like he was top dog. He was just a cup bearer to the king, and yet he accomplished great things. We'll talk about that next time. Or Moses, you know, the famous one, right? Exodus chapter 3 and 4. Moses raises several objections and questions to God when God calls him, including, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And the question, uh, What if they do not believe? Uh, believe me or listen to me? And of course, the ultimate one where he says, uh, uh, I'm not very good at speaking. Send somebody else. And God gets quite dis- um, stern with him and says, oh, All right, I'll give you Aaron, but you still need to go, Moses, the great figure of Moses, great courage, great compassion, great great faith, and yet someone who struggled with a sense of inadequacy. Or Gideon, Gideon, the, the Book of Judges, had called by God to lead the Israelites against their oppressors, the Midianites, and initially Gideon questions why he, from the weakest clan, is chosen for such a task and seeks confirmation through science and miracles. Or Jeremiah, the great prophet Jeremiah, he expresses his feelings of inadequacy and questions why he was chosen as a prophet. In chapter one of Jeremiah verse six, he says, Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. He's not articulate. He's young. And yet, just like Esther, she's a woman. She's an orphan. She's a Jewess. She's, she's nobody in the eyes of the king, really. And yet God calls her. So what does the story of Esther and people like her teach you and me? Well, a couple of things. First of all, let me suggest that in some senses, feelings of inadequacy are healthy. Having a sense of inadequacy can be healthy because the alternative, if you take the opposite extreme, is that we are super confident and that we deserve the role that we believe God is giving us. And that way leads to debilitating pride. Think about The Apostle Peter, who again is someone we'll talk about in future recordings. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 8, what does Peter say when he sees the miracle? He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And you know what? Peter was right. He was a sinful man. He did not deserve to be there with Jesus. Uh, Jesus really shouldn't be hanging around with people like Peter. Peter got it right. But Jesus knew that that was the right attitude. Because that response by Peter to that miracle of Jesus was the right one in order to become a follower of Jesus. So in some senses, a feeling of inadequacy is healthy. But also we should reflect upon the fact, secondly, that inadequacy is not deadly. A sense of inadequacy, real or imagined, is not deadly to our faith. Think about the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 8 and following. He says this about himself, the Apostle Paul. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he, as Jesus, appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle. That's not false humility. He really believes he's the least, that he's not fit to be an apostle. Why? He says because I persecuted the Church of God. Well you can hear a lot of Christians of his time say, well amen to that, you did persecute, you are unfit. And then the but, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and in and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, that's the other apostles, though it wasn't I, but the grace of God that is, with me. God's grace worked through his inadequacy to do something entirely different from what Paul expected, and it was a glorious benefit, not only to God, but God's people and the people that were then saved through his work. See, Paul combined humility with faith, trust in God. Paul's unsuitability to be an apostle was part of the reason he was chosen to be an apostle, so that God's grace could be shown in him as an inspiration to many others. And perhaps that's true for you and me. I have so many inadequacies. So do you. It's okay. We all know we are, we are all inadequate in some way or another. And yet that is the reason that God chooses us and uses us, uses us because we, we are then vessels for his grace to show him to the world. Let me give you this quote from a book by Brene Brown, the book, I Thought It Was Just Me, which she talks a lot in those books about, and other books about shame and, uh, and inadequacy and things like that. And let me just twist what we're talking about a little bit here and see what you think about this idea. So let me give you this quote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Well, actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel unsure around you. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. There are some parts of that statement that one could question from a Christian perspective. But the general sense of it I think is correct, that we have tremendous potential and power within us because of the grace of God in us. And if it shines through the cracks of our inadequacy, then God gets the glory and many great things get done for God. I wonder sometimes how much of my feelings of inadequacy are really my sinful nature's self-defense mechanism attempting to protect me from trying new things for God. My sinful nature loves the comfort zone maybe yours does too. So let me ask you a question. Can you see some area of faith where God is calling you to move from why me to why not me? Is he doing something in your life? Is there an opportunity presenting itself right now in your own life, your family, your, your family group, your small group, your location, your, your faith community, or in your neighborhood, in, in your world? Is there an opportunity that God is giving you and maybe you are the one To take a step of faith, to take his glory through his grace and your inadequacy into that place, into that situation, so that he could be glorified and he could have an impact just like Esther. Is there something like that? If so, let me suggest, pray, surrender your feelings of inadequacy to God and allow your inadequacy to be a real thing. That's okay. And then ask him by his grace to fill you with the faith and the courage to step into this new thing and see what God does. And it it recruits some other people to help you. Don't do it on your own. Esther had Mordecai. We can all find someone to be there with us. Do it together, but do it with God. And surrender that inadequacy. And in humility, let him take you on an adventure. See what happens. Next time, we're going to look at Nehemiah, another person with a fascinating new thing story. Until then, if you've got any thoughts, do drop me a line. The email address is in the show notes or uh, on the uh, video here on screen. Uh, Let me know what you think and if you have any questions. Otherwise, I look forward to seeing you next time. And in the meantime, I hope and pray that you can see the new things that God is calling you and your group to. And that by faith, we can embrace those and walk with him into an exciting future. Until the next time, take care and God bless.